Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so excited today to be talking about one of my favorite shows, Taskmaster, with host Greg Davies and creator and host Alex Horn. Um, Alex, I wanted to start by talking a little bit about the initial genesis and development of this show, because it started as, as a live event that you did at the Edinburgh Fringe, where you had comedians recording pieces in the months leading up to it so that you could create kind of a, a hybrid video response live commentary for the audience. And when you first went into developing this as a television show for screen, I was really interested in how you approach that development process and looking at the live show, what would really lend itself to television, but also where you needed to kind of tweak and evolve certain elements of the format for TV. Mm. That's a, yes. I would say the whole thing has been an accident. So the Edinburgh show, we did it at the Edinburgh Festival. Uh, it was the year that my first kid was born. So I, I, I was bored and stuck at home and frustrated so it just felt like a fun thing to do. So every month I sent these 20 comedians. My best friends, weren't they, Greg? I sent you, 20 you, um, you were bored of your newly born child, yeah? They're boring until they're four. Um, anyway, I sent them all a thing to do, and we did it, and it was a really fun late-night show in Edinburgh, and that was meant to be that. So it was 20 people in the first one. Then my manager, our manager, James, said, to give him credit, now, this feels like it could work on telly. So we did it again the next year with 10 people and we filmed that one just to have a look at. So I think the main the main changes for TV were 10 people is too many. So it went down to five pretty quick. And then we tried all sorts of different things in the pitch with a studio, with unnecessary elements to it. We At one point, all the contestants were going to be up in the sky on some sort of weird seating arrangement. And I think eventually we went back thinking... It doesn't need tweaking at all, really. The format is pretty much the same as the Edinburgh show, except in a shorter period of time. So it's just five comedians. Oh, I'll tell you one, one thing was I wanted, I wanted to film in all the comedians' houses. I wanted to go to their house and set the same task, but in their different houses each time. I thought that would be funny. But I was told pretty quickly that's not how telly works. And, <laughs> and it's better to have a set place. But so really, though, the format didn't change an awful lot. It's just comedians doing funny things. And then with telly, you've just got the constraint of how do you film something cheaply? Absolutely. And, and Greg, I wanted to talk about some of your stylistic approach in the way that you judge, because you make very firm decisions that may or may not be fair a lot of the time. But in going back and looking at season one and the first couple of episodes, it was interesting because it felt like you were kind of seeing what the audience thought a little bit more and kind of suddenly realized that there was some humor in the audience response. Like when Roisin Conaty doesn't actually get on a horse and you were going to disqualify her, the response is really great from the studio. And that kind of felt like it was playing into the judging. Um, did you realize very early on that through the audience response that it was more fun to kind of play against the grain a little bit sometimes? Or was that something that you went into episode one kind of already knowing and having a sense of? Well, interestingly, Mara, uh, I would say that in the pilot for the show, I rather overcooked it. And uh, when I went too, too um, disciplinarian and too contrary and, um, and it sort of left a bit of a, you know, a bit of a sour taste, <laughs> I think, because I was, you know, I, I was I was asked, you know, in my role to be to, to be an authority figure. But I think I sort of was just a bit too rude. So then in those early once we had the series, those early ones, I, I probably was a bit cautious initially just to make sure everyone was having fun. But then you've nailed it, really. As soon as I, as soon as I realised that, um, 
that, that sticking to my guns um, w- will will cause some degree of agitation sometimes with the audience. I thought that, you know, there's a lot of fun to be had there. So, you know, like a lot of authority figures throughout history, I, um, I, I make my decision and I stick with it. It is funny when there's controversy because it's, it's all nonsense. I remember there was quite a famous-ish moment when somebody tried to throw a potato in a hole and got it first time and their foot was over the line. I remember after the show, my brother took me to one side and said, I think Greg's made a huge mistake there. Yeah. He, he took it so seriously. And yeah. I think at that point, I think that's fine. That's fine. If people are talking about it. It doesn't really matter. No, I think that's good. And, and you know what? I genuinely do try and judge it fairly. People don't believe me. People think that I, I'll make a bad call on purpose. But in the moment, I do think this is right. And then I might come to reflect on it and go, well, I probably have called something occasionally. I might have been a bit harsh on someone. And I think, good, good. And that's when I dig down. <laughs> because that's life. Life isn't fair. And yeah. these, comedians, these comedians have got to learn that. I mean, Alex, was it was it important to you that Greg have that free reign? Because you have said that obviously you agree with his judgment some of the time, but not 100 percent of the time. But it's much more interesting to everything that Greg's saying to have these moments where sometimes it doesn't feel like the right choice because of the comedy that ensues, the disagreement, the banter that comes with the contestants versus, you know, him being told, oh, the score's currently seven and five to these two people. I think it's hugely important that Greg is in charge of the scoring and we don't know what he's going to do till the night. And it means that we can't pre-plan it. We, don't, we never know who's going to win. But yeah, he's got complete free reign to do what he wants. But I'd also say that what that allows is for the contestants to try to persuade him. So as well as doing the tasks, they have got room in the studio to be funny and to be persuasive and argue. Uh, yeah, I do love it when they argue from the beginning. They, they're all professionals. They know when to rein it in. But it, it just means there's more going on. And they know he is persuadable. There's, just, there's different ways to get around him. Just to be out there, I am persuadable. And just to be absolutely clear, though, Mara, I genuinely am not, I am not doing a bad judgment on purpose ever. They're, you know, you in the heat of battle, you just make mistakes sometimes. I never think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a very obviously good response to a task, a bad score. No. You know, that's not what's happening. It would be but very jarring. Sometimes it's also very personal things that people have realized is really going to kind of like tick a box for you, like having celebrities sign vegetables and Poirot on a green bean, you know, is more entertaining to you than four members of Take That, even though that's technically more impressive to get four members of Take That. Of course. So you've got to, in life, you've got to know, you've got to know your audience. You've got to know the person you're trying to impress. And a a modicum of research will, will pay dividends for these people. Yeah, yeah, when people come on and don't realise how how much you hate football, I mean, it's, it's just basic stuff, isn't it? They, of course, and, and I'm and I'm going to punish that, you know, yeah. as any as any authoritarian would. And in terms of of the back and forth that you have with all of the contestants, I was interested in hearing from the both of you and how that's really developed and evolved season by season, because obviously when you shot the first season, you know, the comedians coming into it had kind of the details that you would explain about what the show was going to be, how it was going to work. So there was a little bit less of that back and forth. And then by the time you get to Victoria Corin Mitchell, she comes in strong and heavy episode one, ready to argue on every decision. And so it does feel like the pacing of the show has shifted and evolved ever 
so slightly where there is a bit more leaning into that dynamic. You know, the prize task takes a little bit longer at the beginning, but all for good reason. And so what are the, the kind of pacings and, and evolutions of that conversation that you want to have in the studio that you feel has evolved over the time in the show? Well, I think that someone like Victoria Corrin Mitchell is, is a good person to pick out because she could have caused me real problems uh, as the, the the sort of decision maker on the show because she's very, very clever and uh, very sharp and very funny. But mercifully, she was absolutely dreadful at so many of the tasks that, that any chance she, she, she had of, of taking my, stealing my thunder was, um, you know, she lost it herself. But... I, I do find it very interesting. I, I do find the dynamic of, uh, you know, you've got to remember that most comedians are are um, very much in charge of their careers, are very much in charge of their output and the things that come out of their mouth. And that's why I love being part of the show because it, 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 it forces them to uh, offer up different parts of their personality that they might have um, hidden away from us. And I'd say also, as the show's gone on, what's helped us is that because Greg is so confident in his role, having someone like Johnny Vegas in it was not a problem. But it might have been a problem if that was it, series one, because he could uh, he could run off with the programme. And uh, whereas now, we, we, I think we could, we'd be confident having anyone in the show. No, no one would be too big for it or... He was very happy. He knew the show, so he was happy. He knew the rules of it, and we could get the best out of him without That's him. People, people know the show, and the, and the show is we're we're not there to trip anyone up. It's the the show is there for everyone to have fun. Yeah, I say also what's been great is that the audience now know the show, so we don't we have, we don't have to convince them that it's exciting. That it's there's a real atmosphere in the room now, especially post COVID. It is yeah. so exciting. Yeah, really exciting. Yeah. I mean, to that point about the the way that it really brings out unexpected elements and unexpected sides of, of different participants, you know, and Johnny Vegas is a great example. We saw kind of different artistic care and softness in him that you don't usually see when he's doing stand up, um, you know. Alex, I want to talk a little bit about the way that the tasks are shaped because every single episode, no two tasks are the same dynamic, nor do they require similar skill sets. You know, you might have to destroy a cake and then do a really physical challenge and then do something that's very intricate in terms of intellectually what it requires of you. And so I was interested in, in how you and the rest of the team really, really carefully curate the tasks to make sure that we're going to get to see those different sides. And also because you have five contestants with very different skill sets and they all thrive in different environments. Yes, I think you've, well, you've, you've presumed there's slightly more thought going into it than there is, but it's, a lot of it's done on instinct. So I'll come up with 50 tasks for a series and we will go through it and think okay we need we need about 30 really so let's make sure there's a balance in there but what we don't do is look at the five contestants and think well that person can sing that person can dance let's make sure we've got a singing task and a dancing task because I don't think we want it to look that obvious you know we, we just want to chuck stuff at them and see how they cope but the, I think the good thing is there's 10 episodes in a series each one's an hour so there's plenty of time. You know you're going to get the best out of them somewhere in the series and the worst <laughs> out of them. So it's just going on instinct. And the more we do it, the better we are at it, I hope. Um, and we don't film them in any order. So we, once we film them all, then we can slot them into place, if that makes sense. So we, we do film five or six that we don't need. So we've got 
room, wiggle room within it. So the only thing we're tied down to is that once we do the studio, we can't change anything at all after the studio because the points are given, that's it. So if there's a dud task in there, we're saddled with it. But but it's not, yeah, we don't have a writer's room. We don't have a team of scientists looking at the uh, balance. It is just done on, there's three of us, Andy, Andy and me, just looking at the mix and thinking, yeah, that feels right. So there's no test run of, of any of the tasks to kind of see how people might respond to it before no, you're filming it for TV? No, we test the practicalities to checking it, things work, but there's no point. We did test them before the very first series. We got Phil Wang in as a tester. And it just seemed completely pointless because he came in, did things completely differently to how I would do it. So you think, well, we'd have to get five people in, you know, and, and none of them are going to do it the same way as the, the comedians. So, no, again, I think it helps that I'm a comedian and I'm on the production team. So I would trust that a, a comic is going to find a funny way. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, with your dynamic at the beginning, obviously the intros between the two of you are really great. You know, Alex, unfortunately, gets new insults every episode, even this many seasons yeah. in. That's that, that <laughs> How do you kind of set about finding that balance of, of the comedic banter between the two of you that still always feels like, you know, even though it's making jokes at Alex's expense a lot, still always feels like there's an undercurrent of, of friendship and care between the two of you? Because obviously you're still maintaining a friendship outside of the show and, and going on camping trips together. Well, yeah. Much has been made of this single camping trip. <laughs> but the, I mean, you know, there is the, the, the I, I resent it, but there is a bubbling affection. But um, put it like this, it's not hard for me to write those insults every week. I don't find it difficult. It's not something I spend a lot of time doing. I basically wake up on the morning of a record and go, yeah, I know what I'm going to call him today. <laughs> And if I can't think of anything, I look at a picture of his silly little face and there it is. It pops up. Yeah. So. And the worst, the worst the insult is the more you giggle when you're yeah. delivering it. Yeah. yeah just occasionally a... you've run something by me and said, would you mind if I said this? But I don't think I've ever said no. There's a new stream I'm enjoying mining where, where, where I imply that, that, that um, Alex has extremist views. <laughs> And uh, and I think yeah. I've got I've got a couple of seasons of that. Quite you know, at least one of those. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think out of your mouth, I've slagged off the military at all women. <laughs> One of the great things as well is as you progress throughout a season, you're spending so much time with these five contestants and getting to watch them do tasks, also kind of have those conversations in studio as well. And so it feels like the banter really evolves even within an individual season. And so for both of you, wanted to ask about how you really utilize that in the dynamic and finding a lot of the spaces of comedy, because it almost comes to a point where you have a real sense of, of what they might bring in as a prize or what they're going to try and argue and you can really play to it even more. Well, for me, I, I just love it when I know that someone's going to do uh, is going to do a particular thing badly across the series, you know, and, and I, I jump on that every time. Um, so, you, you know, someone like um, I, I was about to cite Daisy May Cooper, but, but that that episode that season's nowhere near on it yet, is it? Not well, I think. It's, it's out well, a forthcoming uh, contestant, Daisy May Cooper, um, brought in terrible opening prizes every time. And it was very clear that that all of them were going to be terrible. And so it's just uh, it's things like that. It's just lovely little things to look forward to with every record because I know she's going to make me angry. 
early doors. And um, yeah, it's amazing how quickly different relationships build up and how um, uh, people will regularly deliver a certain type of of thing that's going to make us all laugh or, or, you know, cause friction in the room. We tend not to know. On episode one, we wouldn't know that. We're learning with the audience, I think. No, and it is, and I hope that comes, you know, I think that does come across that it's not, None of none of it is. Every reaction you see is genuine. Yeah. And in terms of the competitiveness amongst the contestants as well, do you feel like sometimes it becomes a little bit more competitive and comes a bit stronger, you know, and sometimes it's that actually the more they become friends, the less competitive they want to be with each other. Cause that was something that Charlotte yeah. Ritchie mentioned about her season that she felt less competitive with everybody. And that dynamic felt different as the season progressed from the beginning. Yeah, there's definitely levels of competitiveness and, uh, it's funnier when it's more competitive, but it's easier when it's not. That's so true. <laughs> That's so, there's been some series where where they're all such where they're such a great gang. They love each other so much, and WhatsApp groups get formed, and uh, it's so much easier. But you know, an undeniable part of the joy is is when it's a bit more sticky. So we like yeah, we like both likeness. Yeah. I was also interested in your process in terms of looking at the footage and kind of coming up with what are going to be the main details that you want to call out for the audience that maybe they won't have noticed when they're watching the clip for the first time. What are kind of going to be the best comedic beats to land on for each of the things that you're calling out to the audience? Because you're kind of doing that for the other contestants and for the audience at home as our conduit to watching these pieces. Well, that that sort of evolved. That's one thing that's changed. That I think at the start, we would make sure... Greg always had something to, Greg would write something that he knew he'd definitely have to say about every single video, so we knew where to go. And it's become more and more done on instinct. And often you'd spot something when we're actually watching it live. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll frequently, and and so will Alex, in the room, uh, watch one of the videos and realise that someone has made a, a, a ridiculous noise when they jumped over something. And um, and speak to the gallery and ask them to isolate that noise. It's one of my favourite things to do, actually. When I realise that someone's gone, Gah! or th- there was there was one um, uh, there was <laughs> there was one incident with, with an actor where it sounded like she'd um, done she'd broken wind, and I think we all knew she hadn't. It was just uh, her foot catching on the floor, but you know we isolated it and. and and played it out in the room and um you know it just creates carnage that sort of thing and i think it's wonderful so i think we are we're always thinking on our feet and listening and looking for new yeah. things and i would say that most of what i say is uh, off is on the hoof yeah and the gallery are very good the director's very good at going with us if, if greg wants to do something there and then we'd just go for it and like when, yeah. when occasionally he's taking someone to one side to the back of the stage there's no lighting there and it's not it's not you know, if it was pre-planned, it would have been better lit. So, and often, sometimes they'll come and approach you in the, remember Bridget does this in the next series. Anyway, there's, yeah. Yeah. When, when stuff happens off the yeah. cuff in the room, it's brilliant. That, those are always the best bits. It's like live comedy when something happens spontaneously that won't be recreated. 
Yeah. I also wanted to ask about something I think, Alex, you've kind of called the, the Ed Gamble rule of thumb, which is that there's always going to be one or two people that don't try as hard on a task. And so if you at least put the effort in, you're probably going to come at least third most of the time um, and kind of how you've seen that, because like the season that's just coming out in the States, there's a, there's a task in one of the first episodes where we see Joe Brand and David Baddiel and they kind of go, well, yeah. I knew that we were up against the clock, but we didn't really care about it. You know, they're kind of slowly ambling around as if they're on the antique roadshow. They, they, really they, they stopped for a snack at one point, didn't they? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. Carry on. Sorry. No, 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 it's all good. So do you see that, do you kind of like see each season that there's always, you know, someone like Daisy May Cooper not, not really caring that much about the things that she's bringing in, the two of them going a little bit slower on tasks and that really yeah. if someone does make a certain decorum of effort that they are going to do at least so well on the show? Yeah, I do think though, even Joe Brand and definitely Daisy, they did want to do well. It's just certain tasks, Joe, you know, she refused to run. But she wanted to do well. I think it would be derailed if someone came in and really didn't care. Not that they care about winning, but I, the one thing I say to them on their first day in the house is you've got to, it, it doesn't work if you don't try at all. Yeah. It's fine to on some of them to go, this isn't me, I can't do it. But um, yeah, and, but com comedians are competitive by nature. So we, we haven't really had to um, push that. But there are lots of there are lots of ways of um, winning Taskmaster, yeah. and uh, you you don't necessarily have to be in any way competent at the tasks to win it. But but as Alex says, you know the bare minimum you have to do is try. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you feel like when comedians come on who think very much outside of the box that that tends to be a real attribute because a lot of the tasks are so open to interpretation, like destroy a cake beautifully. And then you see Lolly Alifope, you know, creating a beautiful heart on a brick wall, which requires really thinking outside of the box, going outside of the room and looking around at the entire space of possibility. So I'm, I'm actually in the house, you know, when they're doing the task and I do every series find it fascinating and exciting. I'm, I'm still not bored of it. So we've just started with series 15 contestants because we were always a bit ahead. And it, it's just amazing seeing the five of them open the thing and they all react in such different ways. Yeah, some out of the box, some really in the box. So Catherine Parkinson, I don't know what series she was, but she never left the room that she was meant, to, that she started in. She would always stay in the box. And that's funny when it's in comparison to somebody out of the box. Um, so yes, I think it... It's the quick thinking, I think. You, a lot of people are running on instincts. You straight away think, well, this is how I'm going to destroy the cake. And that's really interesting to see their brains fire off in different directions. Yeah, and, you know, even with people leaving the room, again, going back to that very first episode, the first time that Roisin leaves the room, there's not actually a camera following her because the camera's yeah. static in the room. So did the way that contestants behaved in the first season and the first few episodes really play a big part in how we see the show filmed now in terms of a lot of, a lot of the camera movement, a lot of the editing on screen? Yeah, because we, we try not to do any retakes or anything. We try to make it as natural as possible. So we do have to dot cameras around everywhere. But there's also, we're just flexible people are ready with GoPros just to chuck them down. And so, but yes, you're right. But I also like it sometimes when the contestant goes and we don't see them and we just hear them clanking around in the kitchen and then come back with an egg because again, it shows it's real. You don't want that thing where they've gone into a room and there's already a cameraman waiting. So it's clearly a setup. You know what I mean? It, yeah. We do have to just follow them. It, it, it's the sort of, um, it's the plus point of of broadcasters uh, sticking with the show, you know that it gets that that it 
it evolves naturally and um you know it, it it's such it looks it's such chaos in many ways but um it, it's also such a slick machine in many ways now it's just uh it's like going to a i don't know it's like going to a yearly party with a load of people who know each other you sort of you, you know you know it's going to be fun and it might not pan out how you're expecting but there's a comfort in it now i think that, yeah that's uh, a good that's a good analogy. that plays out well on screen like yeah. a decent new year's eve where you know it's yeah. actually gonna work it's quite rare Alex, I also wanted to talk about the interaction that you have with contestants when they're doing the tasks, because like you said, you are on site throughout the entire time. And there's times where they're reading a task or they're in the middle of the task and they're trying to ask you questions. And there's times where you're very kind of stiff lipped about giving them anything else. There's times where you'll kind of give them a little bit of intel, try and help guide them a tiny bit, but not directly. And there's even times where they physically pull you into the task and start yeah utilizing you within their within their execution of something for you how do you determine whether you're going to give them information what information you're going to get give them and how much they're allowed to kind of pull you into certain things as well yeah I think it's all again done on instinct but it tends to be whoever I'm scared of I'll help um yeah to be honest if people force me into something I'll always help them um, and I also, whenever, say when Lisa Tarbuck said, can you, I want you to sit on the cake with no trousers or underwear on. There's a little bit in my head thinking, this isn't ideal because my mother-in-law is going to see this. But then the bigger thing is saying, this will be, this will be funny. So, yeah, I'm always happy to be a stooge for the sake of the show. But I do quite like it. Sometimes I will take against someone. It's a, it's a peculiar little character I'm vaguely playing, but it, it's sort of real, I suppose. Like I wouldn't help Ed Gamble because I, it just feels wrong to help him, but I would help almost anyone else. <laughs> but yeah, it's not thought through. It's in the room. And I always tell the comedians, look, when I'm in there, I can be really annoying. I'm so sorry. But it, it, I guess I just try to do what makes it funnier. Yeah. And, it, and just, just, as a little, just as a little tidbit for you, if you're out with Alex away from the show and uh, you challenge him to do anything at all, he always has yes. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Good to know. And Greg, obviously one of the things that you're tasked with, especially hearing how none of the tasks are tested ahead of time, is sometimes in the final segment when you're doing the studio task, it works a little bit better than other times. Yeah, um, that's and true. So sometimes it lands a little bit more on you to kind of drive that segment and to drive the momentum. And so how do you approach those moments where there's a task happening on stage, you're seeing that everything's, you know, kind of going into disarray a little bit. Maybe it's a permanent marker for a whiteboard instead of an actual whiteboard marker and you've got to completely change course or you've really got to kind of hold the audience's attention a little bit more than what's going on stage which isn't usually the dynamic well well i i would answer that but by referring back to what i said about how comfortable we all are now um and <clears throat> i i find when a task when one of the live tasks doesn't quite work um, I find it hilarious, and I, I, when I know it's bad television, and uh, that that um, that the editing team have got their work cut out for them, um, I, I just like pouring petrol on the flames, really, and 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 shouting about how this isn't working and how we need to pull it together. You know, I, I'm, I, I, you know, it, I just get to play this sort of hugely irrational. <laughs> 
loudmouth authority figure and, and it fits disturbingly well for me. So when things aren't going well, I just find it an absolute delight. And I know that the end product, uh, you know, the end viewing um, pleasure will, there'll be something in it, even if the task didn't quite pan out the way we hoped. It does. And and lastly, because you were both talking about how obviously at this point the show is a tried and tested format and yet every single season feels incredibly fresh and, and has its own stylistic approach. And that comes both from you and the contestants that you're bringing in. Are there challenges to repeating the same format, but making sure that it always has that feeling for the audience? Or does it really come very naturally because you're bringing five new people and, and five new potential dynamics into each season? I think that's it. I think it's the five five new people. It really that, that was a big risk the first the first commission that it was going to be the same five people for the whole series, but it's really paid off because yeah, every time it's a brand new like this current lot series thirteen is just about to start here, and they're different to anyone we've had before. But we say that every single time, I think. And I'm I'm genuinely mystified by that every time that the that the five the five people five comedians put together in a room can be so different to the last five comedians we put in a room. I, I have never once gone, oh, here's a, here's a familiar dynamic with these five. Mm. Not once across all, uh, every season we've done. I think that I am surprised by the dynamic every single time. Yeah. That's amazing and really wonderful to hear that that's also the same feeling for the both of you and working on the show after this long together. When oh, I think yeah. I want to thank you both so much for sharing all of this about Taskmaster. Really appreciate it. Pleasure, Mara. Nice talking to you.